Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. I am Jay Pryor, and I am Being Boss. Hey, bosses. Today, we are talking about facing your fears and what to do when your worst fears come true. And we've invited my personal coach and good friend, Jay Pryor, on to join us. Jay is a coach for executives and all-around badass with a ton of perspective. And I couldn't think of a more perfect person to help us have this kind of hard conversation with. Now, we're going to mention and reference a lot of things in this episode. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. All right, I want to pause the show for a second. I have a confession to make. I used to do this thing I called intuitive banking, where I would just kind of feel how much money I had to spend and spend accordingly. Well, you can probably guess how that went. And I've noticed that a lot of creative entrepreneurs do this in their business. They don't have a clear look at their numbers or the financial health of their business, and it leaves them freaking out about money. So our number one recommendation is always to look at your numbers. And I can't think of a better way to do this than to set up FreshBooks Cloud Accounting for your business. In FreshBooks, you'll be able to keep track of all of your expenses, so all the money going out, and you'll be able to keep track of all the money coming in by invoicing clients and getting paid lightning fast all through FreshBooks. It's super easy. You can pull reports, profit and loss statements. You can see exactly where you are by logging into the dashboard any given day. Try it for free by going to www.freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, back to our show. So Jay, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to be back. And you joined us super last minute, which we really appreciate. We had a guest fall through and Emily and I decided we wanted to have a hard conversation about fear. And I was like, "Mm, I feel like we could spiral really quick. (laughs) Right. I was like, (laughs) I actually love this idea. Kinda. And then because I started thinking about all the ways this could go really wrong. If you put Kathleen and I in a room together or a virtual room together and let us talk about fear, I don't know that anyone would really want to listen to that whole conversation. (laughs) Come on. You two manage your fear quite well, I think. Well, I don't know. And I, we could also probably get preachy, which is why we needed Mm. a third party. Well, I will say that, you know, whenever I was reflecting back on my 2016 and kind of what I wanted to let go of moving into 2017, a lot of it was letting go of fear and anxiety and guilt and worry. And so the first thing I really want to talk about is defining fear and maybe even how anxiety and guilt and worry kind of wrap themselves around fear and what these emotions are all about, how they show up in our bodies and why are they so damn persistent? So, Jay, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, you know, I'm not usually an acronym guy, um, but fear is one of the ones that I do uh, generally try to be conscious of the acronym from Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles, which is false events appearing real, because so much of fear is not in the moment. All, Not all, but I mean, I would assert that, yeah, most of our fear is our projection or something that we are anticipating or even something that happened from our past that we're afraid we're going to redo, you know, not much of it is happening in this moment. 
And so part of how I deal with fear and how I coach around fear is having people be very clear that first of all, as always, remember the first thing is to give up making it wrong that it's happening, right? <laughs> so to give up making it wrong that you even have all the fear, because if you have it that you shouldn't have it, you're going to be resisting it. So you want to make sure that you, you know, give up making it wrong that you're having the fear. Um, however, then, you know, getting in the moment is very powerful around dealing with fear. And of course, then there's all the shadow work to do back there. Wait, talk more about that. <laughs> well, I just think that there's a, you know, sh I'm so clear that all of us have our, you know, I mean, my belief in my coaching practice comes from this idea that it's our brains and our brain's reticular activating system and our ability to be hijacked and all the, all the experiences we've ever had that have logged in our brain and just run patterns when we're completely unconscious of them, that is generating how we're being in the moment. And so when we're faced with fear, we're usually not faced with something in this moment. It's usually something from the past and we got to go back and figure that out and get clean from it. So that's just the work to do sometimes. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that feels really heavy, <laughs> but in a good way. Um, yeah. I mean, and I, you know, the, what's amazing to me is, you know, like, you know, I also am a big proponent of do all the things like anything that resonates with you, do it in terms of personal development. I've recently discovered hypnotism as a powerful tool that I'm enjoying. And it's gotten me to a totally new level of dealing with my fear, but conquering my fear also on that level and having me feel, man, like right now I'm so in the, I can't fail. There's nothing I could do wrong. Universe has my back. You know, I mean, there's just, I am way in that, but it's because I just have in 2016, conquered a whole new level of fear and I you've been that... brainwashed into believing it yes absolutely <laughs> Through hypnotism. which is fine with me I don't care. I'll no totally that. right i'll drink that kool-aid in a minute so but here is here's the thing that i'm really struggling with that i want to know more about is and maybe you've seen this in some of your clients why is it so persistent like why is fear the constant knocking at our door emily do you experience that at all I, I do some and whether it's a cons or whether it's persistent or I almost see it as a um as a habit more so than persistency. And I say that because over the past month or two, especially Lily, my daughter, who is eight, um, has been talking a lot about being scared about things and like really pointless things. We were walking through Target the other day. I walk into the movie section and she goes, which one of these scares you more? Like being here in Target, how the Grinch stole Christmas or the Santa Claus? And I was like, neither. Like I have no fear at all around this. Is scared really the word you were meaning to say? And so then we like, it led to a conversation because she's been saying like, I'm scared of things a lot when I can tell that it's just habit for her to say that. And so for me, I'm really interested in knowing where she's picked this habit up because David and I don't talk about being scared very often, um, but maybe we're like projecting something that she's picking up. So I I feel that it's probably not persistency so much as habit of being fear. We're just used to being in a fearful state. And you yeah. just blew my mind. Yeah. But no, but that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about is that I think all of us as humans are just doing whatever it takes to survive the next minute because that's yeah. literally how we're wired up. 
And until we become conscious of that, like we are, that, that the whole goal is to separate ourselves out from that kind of machinery and watching ourselves do it. And the more conscious we become of it, the less it runs us, right? Yeah. But as long as it's running us, if fear is something that is part of that wheel, you'll notice that you talk about it, either you roll or it's kind of like rolling around in it, but it's a habit. It's not something that, I mean, I don't think you do it consciously is my point. One of yeah, the yeah. mantras that you taught me that I continue to teach all of my own clients is stop it. Yeah. And this is definitely a mantra <laughs> yeah. that I use all the time stop where it. I find myself rolling yeah. around in the stop fear. Stop doing that. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to start preaching that, Lily, and see if I get any words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think kids are a great example because – we aren't conscious of our own stories and where we've picked them up along the way. But kids, since you have them, just like you're watching, you can see that something happens in their lives and then they start like speaking from that place. And it just turns into, you know, what you focus on always expands, which, you know, we haven't talked in a while. I used to uh, think of that from a principle of like, it's a universal principle that what you focus on always expands like the law of attraction. More and more, I'm learning about your reticular activating system, which is literally a system in your brain that is designed to filter out anything that's not important. And so it literally feeds you whatever you believe, and you will be unable to see or hear anything that does not coincide with that belief if it, because your reticular activating system will literally turn it off. Ooh, what's that called? Um, is that kind of like confirmation bias? Like you're going to look for evidence of what yeah. you believe? Is yes. that the same thing or something different? What it you're is the same about? thing. Only what I, I mean, this literally is a process in your brain that is designed, again, for your survival and for your ability to function in the world. But it kind of backfires in the sense that, like, if you decide your dad is an ass, you can't hear anything but my dad is an ass. <laughs> you can't. Mm. If he's doing something kind or nice, you won't see that. Oh, oh, yeah. Where where are you learning about this from? Like, where can we learn more about this? Are you reading Anywhere. a book? Anywhere. You can Google the reticular activating system and okay. find, and you can see medical students learning about it. You can see coaches putting up putting up diagrams about it. It's, you know, it's like, might, might be the new thing with the neuroscience. But for me, it just confirmed everything I already knew, but it makes so much more sense that it's like, oh, it's based on your ability to survive and filter out stuff that you don't need to function in the world. I mean, we have so much coming at us. There's no way that we could filter out all the stimulus that's coming at us. And so your brain is designed to just filter in on, you know, filter out everything that you don't need. But once you decide something, then the brain won't, it just, it's like somebody just, I know, I, for example, you're going to, Kathleen, hold on to yourself. <laughs> Not I that have a friend. I have a I'm friend holding on to my hoo-ha. That has a belief that Donald Trump is benevolent. <gasps> I can't. I can't even have this okay. conversation with you right See? now. Because like, you can't I hear that. But I'd love to hear it. You can't hear that. To get to this place. I can't hear it. I absolutely See? cannot hear it. You're right. You're right. Exactly. This is it in practice. Right? I can't hear it. Your reticular activating system just went, no! <laughs> right? You I'm not going to let that in. <laughs> no, you know what's so funny is I was actually practicing meta meditation. Are you familiar? Yeah. So you're showing loving kindness to yourself, to an acquaintance, someone that you kind of know but don't know well, to a good friend, and then to someone that you can't stand. And so I've done that before 
with actually Donald Trump before he became president-elect and president. But um, anyway, I, I had to imagine him fishing on a boat in the middle of the lake, being present with himself. But I just don't think – anyway – I, I can't hear it. I still can't hear it. And I meditated on it. So I actually, right. it's funny see, that you that's say the that point. because the I point have them work around it. Whatever we're going to see is what we're going to see. It's like sometimes I get freaked out that when I, when I speak, I don't say the right thing. And then I always have this message from the universe that comes in and goes, guess what? They, they're, they're, it doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> they're going to hear what they're going to hear. And so with the fear, I was on, I want to loop back to the fear. If you have decided that something scary or something is to be feared, then that thing is going to always continue to, you know, come up for you as a fear until you get clear for yourself that that's not going to be in the way. And I would assert that being boss brings up all that stuff. I mean, wouldn't you say, because when you're an entrepreneur, we get dealt with all the fears. Yes. All the scary things. Yes. (laughs) All the things. Because we have to eat what we hunt. I mean, it is survival. Yeah. Right? I mean, our survival systems kick in. And that's, boy, how how we're going to function is, how are we going to survive this? Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because I've told people a lot of times that becoming my own boss allowed me to cultivate faith like never before. And I had to really believe in something bigger than myself and whatever you want to call that, the universe, the goodwill of human beings, whatever it is, I had to have faith that I was going to be able to hunt that I was going to be able to get food on the table that next month. But um, coming back to what you were saying about that confirmation bias, what is it again? What's the word? Reticular activating system. Okay. Your RAS. You can Google it. Write that down. So that, I know. (laughs) So, (laughs) So that makes me think about, Emily and I have been talking a lot about values and intentions lately. And I think that it's one of those things that can seem really fluffy to set a new intention or value every single month. But... I think that that is a great way to activate that system to get more of what you want and to confirm more of those values that you want to cultivate in yourself by establishing not what you're afraid of, but what you actually want to have more of. Right. And that's part of the power of coaching and the power of being intentional with your work is that, you know, everybody's going around um, and living out of their brains by default. Again, it's running you. You're not running it. And so what we want to do is be as conscious as possible by feeding it what we want to really feed it. And that's by, you know, whatever it is that's going to have you know, be successful. That's why we have to surround ourselves by success. And we can't get away with just, you know, hoping for things and not doing anything. You know I mean, so we have to be in action and do all the things to keep that, keep our focus on things that will serve us and help us figure out what's next. Yeah. So let's talk about that like action of refocusing like okay sounds good (laughs) but for someone especially who have has a hardcore like fear habit like how like what are the actual steps of refocusing yeah i work with a lot of people who have a hardcore i don't i don't end up coaching because you know i coach high level executives and so by the time they come to me they may have some fear going on but it's usually like high level CEO fear, you know, like it's, they've already, they've already dealt with a lot of fear, but I have people come through my seminars and I've dealt with a lot of people who have a, it's kind of like a low level of hijack all the time. Their cortisol so high that they're always in that ruminating kind of fear and their self-talk is terrible for one thing. Yeah. So the first thing I think that around that is, um, 
gaining a muscle little by little of mindfulness because most of those people are not conscious of how intention, you know, how much that's going on. Like they're just, they're clueless about the fact that they go negative all the time or that they go to fear or they, you know, it's just is normal for them. So they don't see anything else. And so they have to be redirected on a really regular basis. I mean, that's almost somebody who could need to be in CBT. What is it? CBT for therapy, right? Uh, Cognitive behavior therapy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those people could be served by going to a therapist who does CBT and helping them get trained, helping them retrain their brain. The other thing that I really love too, that I've been doing again, and I say that um, it's powerful to do all the things I have been getting neurofeedback and it's been amazing. I mean, it's been really great. Wait, tell me about that. Is that like physiological feedback or? Yeah, it's, well, it, no, it's, um, she puts these little electrodes on my brain that measures my brain waves or I don't even know, to be honest, I can't, I don't speak very well about it. So, (laughs) (laughs) but here's what I get. So I'm listening to music and as I'm listening to music, the brain is the machine she uses is monitoring my brain. If my brain drifts off, the uh, machine clicks and brings my back, my brain back to focus. And so the idea is oh. to train the brain to focus while I'm – it's an hour setting. The, the idea is to train the brain to focus. So what, she's, what my teacher has taught me about it um, is that fear thoughts, worry thoughts, anxiety thoughts, all of those are not productive thoughts. And so if you're training the brain to stay productive, all those thoughts will eventually just go away if you can train your brain to to stay on task and stay productive. Yeah. You know what's so interesting about this is that it's not even necessarily like, okay, how do I overcome this fear? How do I work against it? It's creating habits and routines and exercises to really learn how to focus and concentrate. And so one of the things I do, not getting my brain hooked up to electrodes, that might be helpful (laughs) for some of our listeners. Hey man, it's pretty cool. I'd be open to it, totally. (laughs) But um, it sounds expensive. But one of the things I've noticed makes a marked difference in my concentration and ability to focus is doing this candle concentration exercise where I light a candle and I look at the flame and it's a little bit different from meditation. Someone who's kind of inexperienced at meditation might feel meditative doing it, but it's really about concentration, not meditation. And it's about really concentrating on that flame and having no other thoughts other than the flame enter your mind. And so you kind of mark on a piece of paper every time you have a thought outside of the flame. And so I've noticed that whenever I do this, it really does help my concentration and it helps me stay focused, which now that you say it probably helps me from becoming fearful or full of anxiety. I love that. And I would say that is meditation. I mean, it's the same principle in terms of meditation, which I also believe meditation is a powerful way to at least have your brain stay on track. You know, you getting more and more ability to have your brain stay in a direction you want it to stay in. Cause that's the thing about worry and fear is they take over people. I mean, it's, you know, next thing you know, it's real for them what's happening. And not that I haven't had that experience. I mean, Jessica and I tease about it all the time where, you know, we'll be, I'll be in an anxious space or something like that. And next thing I'll be like, what the hell? This isn't happening. <laughs> Nothing's happening. Right. But I'm, I'm trained enough to, to notice that notice I'm going there. And so part of it is it's all training and development all the time. Right. So we're all training ourselves and that training and development is around 
first of all, noticing when your head goes there, because most people are completely unconscious that they're going there. And then next thing you know, they're operating out of fear. Once they're operating out of fear, that turns into chaos. Do you have any tips for anyone to help them be more mindful of their fear to like be more cognizant of that moment when they drift off into a place they shouldn't be? Yeah. I mean, I, there's all kinds of, you know, just the, the meditation, um, neurofeedback and the candle exercise that Kathleen just mentioned are, are three things. The other thing that you can do is, is monitor your emotions and you know, what, where you're regulated on a regular. Like if every hour you're checking in with yourself to see how do I feel or, you know, what's going on. If you really check in and notice, you're going to notice when you're fearful. Oh, I love that. That would make me and feel especially like a like... crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that would also be a really good practice, though, for helping you identify like where your fear comes from. Like if you were to take a day and set like a one hour timer that just goes off like every single hour to like check in with how you feel. And if you start feeling anxious or fearful or like worried about things, like look at what happened in the past hour since you checked in last time. And if nothing happened, then you know you're making that shit up. Whereas, <laughs> well, you're always you know, making that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> right? But like, but let's say, you know, someone came into the room with like an angry temper and like changed your mood. Then you can look and see like that there was an external thing that calls it as opposed to just you being in your head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other thing too that I would I would assert um, that this may sound kind of wacky, but you know I'm always going to go back there. Is I I think that there's a certain level of integrity that I think helps keep us out of fear. Like when we're in integrity with ourselves, or we're in integrity with what what you know all the things, and everybody defines their own integrity. As as we all expand, we get more and more things that we want to put into integrity in our lives. But living from a place of integrity, when I'm out of integrity, that's a f- fear. Well, you know, e- ego is always the 911 responder to anything, right? So ego is always there to make up a story or to trash us or you know, do whatever when stuff happens. But when my integrity is in, then, especially as a business person, I am way more apt to feel safer and more comfortable because I know my shit's together. Right? But when I've got a backlog of out integrity, then it's like, then if a customer's upset, I'm going to be way more reactive because I haven't done my work. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ooh, it really good. does make a lot of sense. Oh, it makes you, it, integrity is always going to serve you to have a foundation of integrity, but to keep the, it's almost like, you know, you know, when your integrity is in, then, okay, I'm, I'm zipped up. If something goes wrong, I can own it and be responsible for it, but it's not based on something that, that I just let slide by because I didn't care, you know, or what, something like that. What are some questions or prompts that we can use to find our own integrity? Like, how do we kind of get in alignment with that? Well, I like to go through, you know, in my book, I have, I list out like six different areas of life. And so I like to try to just check in with all the different areas of life and then see for, and then it goes right back to what you were talking about before. What are my values in that area? And if, what do I, if I value that, then how am I in integrity with that? Everything from, you know, my family, for example, and I think I shared this before. Um, I haven't watched football. I watched a football game the other day. <laughs> I haven't watched football in so long because it became something that I didn't have time for given my value of family. Right. So my, my, my value of family was more important to me than 
watching a football game that takes like forever. <laughs> it's, just, it's like four or five hours of my life just got sucked out of me when I could have been, you know, dancing with my wife or chilling with my kids. And so my value of a of family is bigger than, than that. And so my integrity is in whenever I'm, I'm, I'm more in integrity when I'm not watching football and I'm hanging out with my family. Cause that's what I value. So I feel better when I'm following my values and when I feel better, you know, everything's better. So you can go through all the, you know, look through just areas of life, health and well-being, relationships, career, your environment is a powerful one. We all know that. Like, it's so important to keep the flow moving in our environment. Um, in my coaching school, we talk about tolerations. We've talked talked about that when we coach together. Um, you know, what are you tolerating? What are you putting up with? And then for me, the other big one, especially as I work with women, is self-care. Because integrity around self-care is number one, I think. Totally. Especially as a, a boss. You just have to have integrity around your self-care as you're going to be a boss. One of the things that I have found whenever it comes to fear and really managing it, because I will say like, I am one of those people who can really get hijacked pretty fast by my own anxiety and worry and guilt and fear, is I tell myself that I trust that I can handle the worst case scenario when it shows up. So for example, a more recent fear has been like, oh my gosh, what if we can't sustain the success of being boss? I trust that I'm going to be able to build or develop a business model that is different or better or whatever it is. I trust that I can handle it if and when that happens. Not that I'm trying to invite that. So this is another thing I want to talk about a little bit. It's like how much fear... A part of me wants to just say, I trust I can handle it, but then I'm scared that that's bringing on a challenge to the universe. Like, but please don't bring up my way, universe. Right, right. Well, you know, one of the reasons my book is called Lean Inside is I believe that there's, um, and I love it saying it this way. I've stole this from a unity church, I think, but that there's a power within me that is greater than any circumstance before me. And... Mm. You know, leaning inside is all about accessing that power within me. And when I'm grounded in that, right now, for example, I'm in a really great place. Like there's just, I'm so clear, there's just nothing. Like there's nothing that is going to come before me that I won't find the grace to, to deal with because I have this power within me that's greater than any circumstance before me. And so I think also, you know, managing fear for me always comes back to my spiritual practice and spiritual practices that ground me in that whole knowing that there really is a power within me that, man, if I, if I really, when I align myself with that power within me, that every the sky's the limit. I can, I, everything's possible. Oh, I love that. That's good. I, should start <laughs> I know, and Kathleen, you, you, um, whenever we were doing our episode about new year's intentions, you said something to me that your dad says about like the crack of doom. Crack of doom. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And you said that it made me think of the crack of doom. <laughs> but yeah, like this this crack of doom idea. But that's not an uncommon idea. And I don't think that it's his fault for teaching me that by any means. Because no, but, Brene Brown no, even talks common. about it a lot in her TED Talks. This kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. And I think that we're trained, uh, you know, we're, if you go back to the idea that... M- Fundamentally, as Americans, we're trained from that Puritan model of don't get too big for your britches. Um, you know, I mean, all that stuff. Just it, it can get too good. 
you know, that whole world, um, I, that makes perfect sense to me that we have, we all have some of that trained into us, um, that you got to better be careful if things are good because there's going to be another shoe drop or there's going to be, something's going to happen. Right. Um, and that's like the exact opposite of mindfulness of like yes. not even allowing yourself to be happy in this moment because the next moment, you know, something shitty is going to happen. Yeah. I feel like. And that does sound very Puritan. Yes, it doesn't does. it? And it does you know it. what I love about you saying <laughs> yeah. this comes from an antiquated model that I don't subscribe to now. At Why all. am I subscribing no. to it? Right. So that's right. actually helpful in itself as well. Okay. Now, we've talked a lot about fear, but I want to get really specific about some of our worst fears as bosses and get okay. really specific about what those are. Many of them which have come true for us in our work and day-to-day life and many which i think is something to point out because we all experience this shit so we can learn to deal with and lots of fears that our bosses are terrified of or really shaken up by and i want to talk about how we deal with and cultivate resilience whenever fear shows up in these very specific incidences and topics so first angry clients and projects gone wrong like The worst fear for a creative entrepreneur, I think especially because we put so much of our heart and soul into our work, is whenever a client says, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, or this is not at all what I wanted. Tell us about, like, and that creates that fear response. Yeah, it definitely does. How would you deal with that? How would you coach someone through that? Well, I I mean, you know, it definitely depends. And I think that this varies because, you know, being a coach, I mean, I actually have, I've had clients say to me, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And so I want to end my contract with you. And so, you know, how I've handled that is just by saying, oh, I totally get that (laughs) and and moving on and like letting them out of the contract. Um, In a case where you're creating art for somebody or things like that, I think there's a lot more, probably a lot more ego at stake than anything else. Um, However, I do think that there's this, if, if you can get behind the world of what's good for one is good for all, then I think that's very powerful. I think oftentimes if I miss a client or I have somebody that I think it's something I think is going to happen in my business that does not manifest or does not happen um, or it happens in a way that I didn't think, or I need to let go of something. I always come from the place that that I just dodged a bullet. Like that's supposed to happen that way. And sometimes there's a little ego. If there's ego involved, then I think there's a real muscle to flex. And this is where you got to get. If you're going to be a boss and you're going to stay as an entrepreneur, you've. This is like, I don't know. This is you're a baller when you can do this. I mean, this is like. This is not, this is your higher math stuff, but it's like, this is when you deal with your bruised ego, you come from integrity and you do what's right for you, your business and your, and serve your clients. I mean, just, you got to do those things. Does that make sense? It does. It's like just pulling up your big pants and doing the right thing. And then you can go cry to your friends about it later or whatever. (laughs) I mean, I do think it's important to process the emotion. You don't want to let that get trapped in your body. Yes. I love that you you say that because I think that whenever I'm dealing with an angry client, I want to just make it right so fast. Um, I want to like the, my immediate responses are usually not like super awesome. But whenever I come back to my place of integrity, I do what's right for me and my business. And that doesn't always make my client happy. Right. Um, But it doesn't mean that I can't also have my feelings hurt. 
Right. And that's exactly. whenever I need a business bestie or a coach or yes. someone to say like, man, that really hurt my feelings. Oh, and totally. I'm making it <laughs> yeah. mean that I'm wrong. And intellectually, right. I know I'm not wrong, but why does it feel so bad? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest hurdles, even with my high level executive, like CEO clients, is that so much, especially women, are trained to people please that part of the mindfulness, especially for me, like I had a situation where I was completely out of integrity a couple months ago around gossip. And when I have gossip happen around me, the first thing I do is I say, where am I out of integrity with gossip? Because this is coming to me. I must have created it somewhere. <laughs> so I better go look. <laughs> right. And one of the things that I was out of integrity around was somebody had told me something that they did that if I was an authentic response, my authentic response should have been like, what the hell, man? Why'd you do that? Right. And instead, I immediately went into people pleasing because that's my safe. I'm safe if I people please. Right. That's my automatic way of going into. And I caught it. I, I caught myself. I mean, I was able to like, oh, God, I did that and go clean that up with my friend and be like, you know what? That was bullshit. I should have been like, what the hell, man? And instead, I just people pleased and acquiesced. And But I think we're so trained to do that. That when we start to not do that, it feels we second guess it. There's a second guessing. There's a did I do the right thing or oh, my goodness. And I think when you're setting those kind of learning how to set those kind of boundaries is one of the most important things for entrepreneurs, because when it comes to your business, you have to learn to treat that almost like your kid, like like something you would protect. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's your business. This is your livelihood, right? So jumping into people pleasing is never going to serve you when it comes to, to taking care of your business. However, we're so trained to do it. I, I assert that we as humans are trained to do that, that that's a real big muscle to flex is to start paying attention to when are you setting good boundaries and starting to acknowledge that you're doing that so that you can keep building that muscle. So it starts to become more and more natural for you to just say, no, this is my boundary. You know, this is, you know, this is what we agreed upon first or, you know, having integrity around your agreements is also obviously something to have as a boss that you're going to have in place those kind of things but okay one of the reasons why i love your perspective is because you used to be a woman and now you're a man so i'm super curious if it it, did you feel like it was easier like did you feel braver becoming a man and setting boundaries oh totally i feel so much braver as a guy it's not even funny because people just especially as a white man with the privilege that i have people expect me to set boundaries People don't, people never have a question about it. Like I can, but I had to learn that because I was so used to people, you know, I was so used to people pleasing that it was like, I would walk into, I talk about this in the book where I I would say to myself, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. (laughs) Because when people would respond to me like a man, I would be shocked. (laughs) I would be like... Oh shit! They're taking me seriously. (laughs) So I'm gonna pick up the mantra: I'm a man. 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 No matter what I say, they think it's right. I'm a man. I'm a man. White man. You know, it's it's fascinating that like this could actually be a feminist issue. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about whenever you talked about um, where am I out of integrity that I am attracting gossip? Because I remember one time, I specifically remember I was probably eight or nine months pregnant. And you had called me to like, just say something really nice, like your yearly gratitude, I'm grateful for you kind of thing. And I was like, I need to talk to you. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I had been attracting a lot of internet hate and it really hurt my feelings. And I remember you saying, Kathleen, I know that you can handle this. What is it about you that is attracting that? And so I want to talk a little bit because I think that a lot of our listeners might be afraid of kind of general criticism, whether we define that as haters or not, but just general criticism or negative feedback. Um, is that something that we're attracting whenever we're out of integrity or is there a lesson to be learned? Like, how do you handle your fear around that kind of criticism or feedback? <laughs> well, to be honest, I don't read it. Um, <laughs> any of it. I don't listen to myself on podcasts or talks. Um, and I never read it because especially around the trans thing, cause I get my feelings hurt so bad. I've had, I've been in newspapers and, you know, magazines out as a trans guy and online people will say very mean things to you or transphobic. Um, you know, and so I'm just not, I'm not, I don't want to be an open channel to receive that. So I just don't listen to any of it. Um, I stay in integrity with myself and my coach and let everything else fall out where it's going to fall out. I love this. Totally just had a light bulb moment. So, I mean, you can even think of it in terms of like your boundaries of integrity being what it is that you consume. Like the world is going to go on around you. Oh, yeah. People are going to say oh, whatever totally. they want to say, but is it within your boundaries of integrity yeah. to waste your time reading that stuff when you could right. be doing something right. amazing? I had a re 2016 was a big year for me around that because so much happened. You know, we had Orlando and we've had so many black men killed on TV and those kind of things that felt to me like, oh my God, you know, I've never watched the news. I just, I don't, I don't do well with it. <laughs> and I really had, I came full circle with it again, where I'm back to not watching the news. And I have a regular, now I'm, now I'm different in the sense that I'm giving money to certain places that I know are taking care of some of those things. And I'm doing different actions in my life and saying different prayers and, you know, things like that. But I'm not, I'm not into the news is all made up by people who want to fuck with my brain as far as I'm concerned. And I don't, I don't want to hear it. It's a hypnosis. You do not condone. No, it does not serve me whatsoever. I love that. I love that me. so much. Uh -uh. And <laughs> just in it. terms of giving yourself the power to cut yourself off from that, because so much of it is going to happen. Like you can't, you can't control everyone's opinion. No, you can't. Obviously. Well, again, back to that reticular activating system and how we're raised and what we believe about things. I mean, there are just some people who are going to think that me being trans is evil and that I'm going to hell or something. You know what I mean? That's just, I'm not, and I'm not out to change their minds. I really, like, what I'm I out actually for is really harmony. Love that. I love, I'm not out to change their minds because I think that um, whenever your need to be right is stronger than your need to wait what am I trying to say here I don't know but I like it it's like <laughs> I, I think that whenever your need to be right butts up against people whose minds you are not going to change like that's where right. all that conflict is started and that's oh, yeah. where you're it's out of integrity of with your energy there's a lot of pain there and you know if you really think about harmony well I heard this the other day from somebody I really like uh said that if you think about harmony which is what we're all out for. Harmony has discord and harmony also when, when we're in harmony with somebody, I don't try to get you to change your note. I just stay on mine. 
And it's my job to stay on my note. <laughs> and so I'm yes. staying on my note, right? Yeah. And so I don't have to get you to change your note, but I'm going to stay on mine. And for me, and I want to say this just because I have an opportunity to, something that has just, gosh, it's been such a revelation to me. And it feels so dumb that it took me this long to figure this out. I know it's always been important to me to be out for myself as a trans man, as an authentic expression, and to educate around trans stuff. But recently with all the stuff that's gone on, I've been getting in touch more with young trans people. I've had more, you know, I don't, I think you know that I serve as an advocate for young trans people and their parents. And when they need somebody to be talked to or whatever, I get a lot of people call me. And I've had more people, more young trans people since the election coming out like crazy all over the place. And what I have discovered is, and I hadn't thought about this before, is that just by me having a life with my wife and my kids and having this job that I love, young trans guys don't see themselves anywhere in the media. They don't see themselves. They don't, they don't see a future for themselves. And the trans uh, suicide rate is like 46% higher you know, than most people's or 41%, something like that. It's really high. And it all of a sudden clicked with me. It's like, well, if you don't have a future, why the hell, why would you want to live? And all of a sudden, it became so powerful for me to get, like, part of my existence and being out is just to show them that there's a future. And I've been hearing from these young people thanking me for just getting how, like, how valuable that is to them. And I had never clicked that in before. It's just been like, you know, I'm just doing my thing, blah, blah. No, I'm, I am giving them somebody to look to that that shows them that they have a future. I can't do anything more powerful than that. That's part of the reason I can't fail because, are you kidding? I'm already arrived. I'm already there. And- I'm already done. <laughs> <laughs> How great is that? Everything else is icing. So <laughs> I mean, good. Yeah, it's fantastic. I would love to hear about how recognizing that purpose may tamper any fear that oh, may yeah. come or create from- more fear like the weight of responsibility of yeah see i've always kind of i've never of had any of that no i never have any of that it just gives me a lot of freedom and a lot more purpose um and you know also has me acknowledge my own you you know because i was a suicidal young lesbian and drinking my way through high school to try to deal with it and all the things i did and i didn't have you know i remember being there was nobody on TV that looked like me. The only people that looked like me were Christy McNichol and Jodie Foster. <laughs> they were tomboys. <laughs> nobody looked like me. I didn't have anybody to relate to. And I'm how important it was when Ellen came out to the, the lesbian community and the gay community, you know, all that stuff. But I, it's so funny how we've come so far that I just, you know, you don't think about that. Right. And so for me, I've kind of come full circle back to, wow, it is. It's so important to have healthy normal trans people out in the world just being ourselves so these young trans kids have any see any kind of future for themselves because otherwise they don't we're not represented in the media in any kind of way that makes any sense to their future mm. yeah oh, well thanks for, take you off on no that no no i'm but glad that no, you did i think fear it's piece important that again there, there's so much fear i think about uh, i think part of dealing with our fear to have you know we have to be able to see ourselves that have a future Right. And so I could take this back to fear and being a boss. It's like if you can't see your future as a business person, that's scary. And sometimes being a business person means you have to step out into the unknown. Right. We have to have the guts to take the risk to step out into what we don't know. And so the the thing that we can do the best is to look for 
mentors, role models like you all, people who are, have done it and, and can do it and not be so egotistical to think that I can't, if they can do it, I can't do it because there's something special about me. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you can do it, I can and do I it. Really- I really love this idea of like using these um, these boundaries of integrity to help you deal with deal with these situations. Like, and especially like going even back to some of those like business related things with like clients and things. Like, if you're standing behind what it is that you're creating, if you know that what you're doing is good work and someone's just being angry, then is that you? Or is that them? And right. sort of recognizing that and and dealing with those things in in that lens, as opposed to just that people pleasing, doing what it is that you want to do, and then carrying that over into everything. Because I feel like that is such a powerful filter yeah. to go out. But I also with. think yeah. it's a little bit of a balance. Like it might be out of my integrity to make this angry client's problem affect me to the degree that it could affect me, like crying into the pillow, losing sleep. That is out of my integrity, right? But it is in my integrity to respond in a way that is respecting them and respecting the work that I do, right? So it's this balance. And I think that a lot of us as bosses kind of want to go to that instant, well, that's your problem. You're wrong. Like we we so quickly want to either make them wrong or make ourselves wrong, right? Right. We want to make ourselves wrong and give them a full refund or we want to make them wrong and make them pay. But I think that the answer is somewhere in the middle. Well, or even a bigger challenge is to make everybody right. Like if that, you can right. make everybody right. Then, and, and what I mean about that is that if somebody tells me something about myself, for my integrity, the first thing to do is to look and see if there's some of that that's true, because it might be, but that also doesn't mean that you get to take advantage of me or that, you know, that there's a, there's something else that I have to give up because that's the truth. I might be, you might tell me I'm an asshole and I'll go, yeah, I'm an asshole and you still owe me $500 <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, or, you know, my point is I think that a healthy person doesn't just poo-poo away criticism. We look at it, we take it in, but we take what's ours and we leave the rest. You know, because they're because not ever not all of it's ours, for sure. I love that. I love that idea of picking the pieces that apply. Because if someone in any of these situations, like angry clients or fights with business partners or um or just trolls, well, maybe not trolls. I don't think they really count. Yeah. <laughs> We're not taking any of that. Um, or even like those internal fears that you have. Like fear is an important. It's an important emotion. It is. Like just in terms of like we have it because it saves us from like, you know, busy streets right. and like creepy people following us. Like fear is an important emotion, but I think it is important to learn to um learn to filter between what's necessary and what isn't. And I also think it's important to um keep building your muscle around what is real and what is imagined <laughs> because yes. most of the time it's the story about what happened that creates this fearfulness. You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day who's in a situation that, you know, she found herself making up all kinds of stories, you know, and those stories were really fearful and she was all anxious and she was all freaked out. And when we really got down to it, none of that had happened. 
none of it. Like, what really happened? Nothing. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was all in her head. She had some stuff happen, but from there, the mind will just go crazy. And, you know, so constantly reining yourself in to stay in this moment and get clear about what's really there to be afraid of. In this moment, even when I'm talking to an angry client, most of the time, in the moment that I'm talking to an angry client, I'm not scared. Most of the time. Right? Yeah. I'm scared. I anticipate that that conversation, and that's scary. <laughs> and then sometimes I ruminate about it afterwards, and that could be scary. <laughs> but in the moment, I'm not usually that scared. I really want to point out that you mentioned this being an exercise and a practice. And even Always. in your own talking about it, it seems like you've gone through waves and cycles of feeling fearful and then also feeling on top of the world and I think acknowledging that nothing is permanent so even right now you're in this on top of the world phase how do you embrace the idea that okay this doesn't mean that you're always going to feel on top of the world while at the same time trying not to manifest negative feelings that you might not necessarily want does that make sense Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's always our job for my job always to be in integrity with myself and in what I'm creating and being conscious of what I'm creating. And then, you know, clearly sometimes stuff happens and I go unconscious or, you know, how and I don't want to say I go unconscious, although I think we all do. But I think more what happens is we expand, right? We get to that place where I'm on top of the world. I'm completely expansive. We expand and then that gets uncomfortable. Because something else that is our next level to take on comes and then we have – and then it's our job to hurdle that one, right? And then it becomes just the next big thing that we have to get over to be whoever we need to be to serve the world the way we want to serve it. See, and even even in that, like I find solace in that. This idea of like I can keep – I can keep my fear at a minimum knowing that – each of these hard things is moving me forward. Always. If I realize that. But if if I'm of the mindset that like every scary thing that happens pushes me back, like that's when you're going to spiral into something nasty. Yeah, that's a um, mindset that's, though. Don't you think that's a right? context and a mindset that I always have that mindset that the universe is always working toward my good and that I'm always – my purest motive is always to make a difference and to be – someone who makes a difference in the world. And as long as I'm coming from that place, I'm clear that whatever it is, and I've also lived through so much shit. And part of it is that the older you get, the more shit you live through. <laughs> you just know it's going to be okay on the other side. How's that being old and wise, Jay? <laughs> hey man, I'm 50 years old now. <laughs> I know, you're it? 50. I know, it's awesome. It's pretty great, really. I mean, it is. there is such a thing as having been on the planet a little longer, you get that it's you're going to be fine. <laughs> you really, you really are going to be fine. It's all going to be good <laughs> in the end. I, 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 I love that. I think that's an important thing, important mindset shift everyone needs to make yeah. just in terms of like, there will always be a hard thing next. And you can either see it as like just the next obstacle. Like I always think of like those hero journeys of like, you know, what did Harry Potter run into? <laughs> Yeah. He's my hero's journey. <laughs> well, I mean, and I think if this is, you know, that's a good opportunity for people to look at what is the world, what I want my life to look, you know, I, I part of uh, my thoughts for this year are kind of almost like um, fuck goals because I'm always asking you, what do you want your life to look like? It's not really about this goal, you know, that I'm going to reach. It's about what, what do you want your life to, you know, 
I have this amazing life, right? I never work past two on Friday. I never go to work before one on Monday. I mean, like, I have this amazing life. I really like it this way. And so I've created it that way on purpose, but I purposely surround myself with people who have, who believe that's possible, who are constantly in a conversation moving themselves forward, and I have very limited time for anybody else. <laughs> I yeah, really, amen. really have very limited energy. I just don't have time for it. I think that's surrounding yourself by people who are not feeding your fears because there are people oh, in the world who are yeah. just like, yeah, like I'm afraid of that thing too, or you should be afraid of that oh, thing, yeah. or why are you doing oh, this and, thing? You know, like, that's an important point because being a boss and as an entrepreneur, everybody else out in the world, first of all, nobody knows what you do, right? Everybody thinks you don't even work for a living, right? right? They say those All things. of you. So all, all everyone recognize that <laughs> no one else has anyone who knows what they do either. Yeah, no, nobody knows what you do. <laughs> nobody knows what you do. And nobody, and they think that you just have all the time in the world because you set your own schedule. And so you have all this time. And so you can do all the crap that they don't, you know, there's just so weird mindset around entrepreneurs. And then on top of that, they wouldn't do it. Right. There's so many people who right? in your life, but I think especially starting out like the first 10 years until I hit that 10 year mark in my business. And I was, you know, really doing well. And I could finally turn to all my family and friends and go, see, like I'm doing this. I think it almost took like 10 years for them to believe me that I was going to continue to do this and be successful because they just wouldn't do it. They just, they, you know, there's so many people who are like, no, 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 I got to have a nine to five paycheck and somebody paying my insurance. That's, that's not what we do. Right. But we're not the norm. <laughs> we're not. Uh, right. Do you know that like as being boss, what is the percentage of entrepreneurs and do you know? Well, that's a good question. It's been a minute since we've done a survey, but that's definitely who we're targeting are people who are either aspiring to quit their day job and be their own boss, or they are already working for themselves. They might be in their first couple of years, or they might be a little bit more seasoned and in their you know second half of not second half, whatever, second decade of being boss yeah. and are just wanting to feel a little bit less alone whenever it comes to the kinds of conversations that we're having here. So, um, you know, one other thing that I want to mention before we hang up with you whenever it comes to fear is I was expressing one of my fears to Emily the other day, which felt I felt really silly about it. But I have found that whenever I shine a light on my fear by talking about it, and especially with a trusted friend, it often makes it so much better. And my fear was... What if being boss is just like any other podcast or, you know, kind of um, programming geared toward creative entrepreneurs? Like, what if we're just one of many? And Emily was like, well, we might be to someone who is not actually invested in us or listening to us. And why is that so bad? Like, it doesn't matter. And I was like, oh, why is that? And also, we're not. So. Well, and we're not. But, like, but what I'm trying to say is that this idea of like leaning into it and just saying like, okay, maybe or like how you were saying earlier, Jay, like if someone's calling you an asshole, kind of saying, okay, maybe I am an asshole. And right, yeah. yeah so maybe definitely. we don't matter, and we yeah. also really matter. Yeah, but I, I also do think that's a great mindset to have as a business that I somewhere along the line figured out is that having a my a, I have enough of an abundance mentality to know that there's enough customers or enough people that are going to resonate with me as a coach that you know there's and there's people who won't see and mine isn't even like 
mine isn't even a scarcity thing so much as like, uh, what does it all matter? We're all going to die. What does this mean? <laughs> it's kind of a little bit more existential, I think. Like, yeah. what, what is what we're doing even Right. Matter? We are just a small blip on a map of time. <laughs> right. Yep, you are. <laughs> So how do you deal right? with that fear? You're right, Kathleen. Poof. We're nothing. <laughs> I, I actually, I love that, actually, because I embrace that. I love, you know, I've had, I remember when I climbed, you've been to, uh, oh, hell, now I just lost the Bell Rock in Arizona, the place where all the vortexes are. Oh, I've never been. You've been? Uh, no, I thought you'd been there. Um, no. What the heck is it called? Sedona? Sedona, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So climbed. I didn't climb to the top of Bell Rock, but I climbed part of Bell Rock and meditated. And I'll never forget the experience of getting what a speck of dust I was. I mean, I'm just so small in this vast universe that I'm just like poof, you know. Like, and the insignificance of myself was so profound that I think that's sometimes a very powerful place to come from because then you can't fail. I mean, right, <laughs> right. What does your failure mean if you're a germ on a dust mite? Thank you. I mean, what does it mean? It doesn't mean shit. I mean, you swing way out there. I'm you glad you guys feel awesome about that. this because I'm like about to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, okay. So you can look at it that way for sure. But then you can also bring it back in terms of like what you're doing. You have to be okay enough with it and interested enough in it to do it for the next 50 years of your life. Yeah. Or maybe let's not do it let's for not 50, do it for 50 years. years. Let's do it for no, like, we get bored maybe too like easily. 20 more years. <laughs> right. We're bored after so, two. We have to do something different. <laughs> but you know, right? I know exactly. One of the themes that keeps coming up here is ego. And it does make me think whenever I get too sucked into this, like, what does it all mean? And does it even matter? That's just my ego speaking. Yes. And I, my, whenever I'm in integrity, I would be doing this work no matter what right. no matter if anybody right? was listening yeah yes exactly. and that's what i meant by like ego is a 911 responder because once you start letting yourself go to that place any kind of thought pattern like that boy ego will swoop in there in a heartbeat and uh love to stir up all kinds of chaos I, in my book i call it your small because i think that it is the part of us that lives small and wants to stay small and has all those little fears and um Jessica just got me the best gift this year. I have a standing Ganesh. Have you seen? Have you? Oh, do you know what that is? Like the elephant, the statue with the arms. elephant. Yeah, mm. and it has its foot on the mouth. It's like a Hindu oh, god, sh- right? Yeah, it's gorgeous. I can hold it up here so you can. I don't know if you can see. Oh yeah. See him? Oh yeah. Wait, and, and how does that help you with your fear? Well, um, it doesn't really help me with my fear, uh, but I'm, it's just beautiful to look at. <laughs> it is beautiful to look at, but Ganesh is the uh, the standing Ganesh for business um, removes obstacles uh, from your business, and so um, I I love all kinds of religious iconography, and I I, just, I, I, love, I have several Buddhas in my office and several Jesuses and. All kinds of stuff like You're that. You're just so, calling on all the gods. I am. Right. I am. No, I am. It's like, why not? Because why not? Like I'm taking all I can get here. All, I'm, I've been saying do all the things. Anything that resonates with me. <laughs> and I love this, yeah, this little statue. And, and I just think that there's so much of it as entrepreneurs that we have, you know, your small can come in. And, and that's what I mean by the, 
you know, the mouse is the small, always running off to the treats. It's like your ego. And Ganesh has his foot on the mouse's head, kind of keeping it at bay. And I think it's our job as humans to acknowledge this presence within us that's so much more powerful than that ego worrying about all the little stuff, right? Because when we're coming from that place, that's we're not located in making a difference. Right. I love that you have this, like, I love these visual reminders to or these visual statues or mantras um, and keeping those in your space to remind you of what your integrity is and even what your small is, having that mouse yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. That I don't think we can do enough to stay conscious because I think you're designed to go unconscious. I mean, you're designed to just survive, right? And so if you're constantly going unconscious – it's our job, and like I do all kinds. I have a spiritual entrepreneurs group. I have another group I go to on Sundays. I stay connected on all kinds of ways. I, you know, there's just I stay in the conversation all the time, so I can stay conscious to what I'm creating. And that, as long as I'm staying conscious of making that difference, no matter what, no matter what comes up, I'm gonna eventually get to the other side of it. As long as I don't quit, quitting is the sin. <laughs> and that's why you're so beaming happy. I, I am love beaming it. happy. Yeah, it's pretty great. Right? I'm a pretty great Are you life. sitting on a yoga ball, I by am, the way? I am. <laughs> Just a bouncing, bouncing over yeah. there. Um, I have a. I had a sciatic <laughs> issue a couple years ago. I used to have this gorgeous Aaron chair, fancy, which is mm-hmm. awesome, but it did not do well for my sciatic nerve. So mm. ever since, and I sit on a yoga ball. Love it. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, I think. Um, I think this episode is going to be one of my favorites, Jay. Well, thanks. I hope so. This has been fantastic. I love your listeners. They're so much fun. Oh, they're the Aren't best. Aren't they? They are the best. They are the best. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find out more? Where can they get your book? You can always get my book at Amazon or at my website. My website is jpriorcoaching.com. The podcast, and what's your book called? The book, called, the book is called Lean Inside, Seven Steps to Personal Power, which you can get at Amazon. Or you can click on it through my website. And the podcast is called Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. And there's a Doing the Work with Jay and Becca Facebook page that you can join us on. And um, it's really fun. We just do coaching episodes or sometimes I flip to the book and we talk about a topic. Or I have people who have done my seminars who are local women come on and share their stories and the breakthroughs they're having. Or sometimes we've had uh, uh, somebody who used to work with me a long time ago just have a breakthrough on a job so she just came on and talked about that so it's just uh yeah we're having a great great time really a lot of fun well thank you so much for joining us on being boss we love thank you, you so much our love listeners you. love you so, so much, much and it's always good to catch up absolutely take care of you <laughs> So you guys, I'm not the most tech savvy person when it comes to integrating and automating my life with software. So I was a late adopter to Acuity scheduling, but once I set it up, I was so grateful and I cannot imagine my life without it. I use Acuity scheduling to schedule client meetings, special projects, podcast recordings, interviews, and even coffee dates with my friends. It helps me keep my calendar sane. The best part is it integrates with my Google Calendar. So anytime I update my Google Calendar, that time is automatically blocked off in Acuity. There are no double bookings or meetings scheduled for when I'm on vacation or scheduled something else already. All right, try it yourself. Sign up for a free 60-day trial of scheduling sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beingboss. 
Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club clubhouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brame. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Bean counter, David Austin, with support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. Love it. Are we really titling this one Fuck Fear in the Face? Oh, yeah. Fuck Fear. <laughs> Absolutely. In the that, face. That is so funny because that was what, exactly what I was going to say. And then I thought they don't want me to come on just right off the bat starting to cuss it up. But <laughs> I did title it. Mean, if you had do. already thought of that title, then clearly you were thinking of me. <laughs> I did title it Fuck Fear in the Face just for now, just to set the tone. <laughs> that is funny right yeah. so jay you can start it however you'd like honestly <laughs> but, <laughs> but before we do that this is gonna That's make hilarious. a really good blooper <laughs> before we do that let me actually introduce you to our okay. guests <laughs> hmm.